Hey y'all. Hey y'all. We back. I guess we could do our little intro. Hey y'all, it's Delaney. And it's Katie, and this is Classically Black Podcast. Where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With trap bees playing up. Uh, with trap bees playing up. <laughs> I didn't know you was going to do an intro song. <laughs> with trap bees playing in the background. Period. All right, so hey y'all, we're back. Um, like we are annually. Um, but we're going to be talking about a little conversation that's been in the ether uh, for a lot of us, uh, for a lot of us this past year or two years or however long we've been inside this. Because who knows at this point? Because honestly, <laughs> like, who knows? Because uh, time doesn't mean anything. So, um, But for y'all who don't know, who don't listen to the show um, or have never been to a Classically Black live show, we do have a little bit of a structure. We're going to, you know, talk our stuff. And then we have a little intermission, which usually um, in the show might not have something to do with classical music. It may or may not. Um, but it's kind of just to break up the conversation, give us a little breather from whatever we're talking about. And then we're going to wrap it up. So um, in this past, you know, like I said, however long we've been in this pandemic, a lot of people a lot of people have shifted their work and life priorities um, because it's brought a lot of things into perspective. But I feel like the racial reckoning that we've had that's coincided with the pandemic has caused an entire community of musicians to reevaluate their position uh, in the industry. Uh, for us as Black musicians in particular, I know Katie and I have had this conversation about how we sort of fit into um this industry as black musicians, um, how we are treated, how we are valued, um, and basically how we wanna move forward um, as individuals and as a unit in this industry. Um, and a lot of things that we've seen over the past year, especially is people coming up with their own organizations, initiatives, um, and whatever it may be to sort of offset uh, the circumstances that they find themselves in uh, when they're when they're being involved in institutions that they may not feel particularly valued in. So we're not here to convince y'all one way or another. I think Katie and I are both, um, we got a mix because obviously we do Classically Black, um, but we also have ties to institutions um, ourselves. So we're not really here to convince y'all one way or another, but we do want to open up a discussion um, about this topic of should we stay? Should you create your own stuff? What are the benefits, et cetera? So like a lot of people, um, I'm not gonna say the past five years because I'm I'm new here, but you know, I'm obsessed with insecure. It was amazing. Um, sad that it's over, but also glad that a great story was told. And in my obsession with Insecure, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn more about Issa Rae. And I, I knew about Issa Rae because like Awkward Black Girl, of course, I didn't like watch every episode of it, but I knew who she was. So like when I started like looking into her and like watching her interviews and stuff like that, a lot of stuff that she was talking about, we have, um, we have these conversations in classical music, at least like me and my colleagues have these, um, these conversations. And one thing that Issa always talks about and really her brand is this like idea of like creating what what she doesn't see. That's why that's how Awkward Black Girl got here anyway. And then 
um, insecure is not the same because, but the ideas are this are similar. Some of the ideas carried over rather, and also this idea of like making your own yes. Um, and it's not just Issa. Like you see this a lot in her contemporaries, like Quinta with her new show Abbott Elementary, which is so cute and so hilarious. Um, and then also, I think someone even more than Quinta um, is Ava DuVernay, and Ava is really like I feel like. Issa and Ava have similar ideas, but like 10 toes down, Ava's like, girl, if you don't get your own camera, if you don't got a camera, use a Nokia, brick phone, like make your own stuff, start from there, um, period. Like build your career, do it anyway. Um, and this idea that like, if there's ever a time where like these institutions, predominantly white institutions, white institutions do not want us, I always have something to go back to. Um, mm -hmm. So like 10 toes down and that idea, um, and I, I say this a lot, but a lot of my inspiration for literally everything comes from outside of classical music. I mean, not, I mean if I want to know how to shape a phrase, you know, I'm going to turn a little to the <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like a lot of my <laughs> inspiration uh, comes from outside of classical music. So I'm like, okay, so how can I put this into perspective for my own life? Um, how can it be more applicable to me, especially like within this movement of like creative ownership um, and being entrepreneurial and all this other stuff. and But you already see this. Um, you see it in the Rich Chamber Players, you see it in Gateways, Amani Wins, the Harlem Quartet, Castle of Our Skins, the International Society for Black Musicians. If you're Black, join, it's free. Um, and of course, like Classically Black um, as well. I mean, I think what's a little different with Classically Black is we didn't really start it. Like I didn't, we didn't, we only didn't huddle like in my basement with like girls. So you know, we're going to start a revolution. Like, it was really like, we started a podcast. <laughs> and it kind of just grew and developed from that. Um, so, like, Delaney said, we're just going to talk about um, both sides. And just give you something to, like, you know, pontificate on um, or explore something that you really haven't explored before or to or apply to your own artistry. Um, and then if you are in the spaces that we're talking about, like, maybe we should leave from, you should also ask yourself why, like, in a more insightful way than, like, what y'all have been doing before. So um, let's get to it. Period. So like Katie said, I mean, we've been, we've definitely been on the side of creating your own stuff and creating your own yes. And so we're going to talk about basically some of, um, some of the benefits that we've seen or that we hope to see uh, moving forward. So, I mean, one of the primary benefits I would say is having, I mean, you have more control in general, but having more control of the issues that um, that are addressed and how you address them. And what I mean by this is that I feel like we spend a lot of time on Classically Black talking about folks who just don't get it. And, <laughs> and I feel like, you know, obviously there are spaces where there are people who are trying to get it Great, thank you. But um, in terms of some of the issues that a lot of Black people face in classical music, um, there's just a lot of either misunderstanding or willful, willful ignorance, which I think is probably it's, it's like seventy thirty. Like I, that's generous. Willful ignorance, like. But um, I think that as Black musicians, we have more control when we create our own uh, spaces, we have more control um, over our own narrative in that we can actually isolate the issues that are going to be most impactful for us. I feel like not all the time, because a lot of us have a lot of unlearning to do. Um, honestly, if you listen to Classically Black like in 2018 versus Classically Black today, 
a lot has changed in terms of the topics we talk about, the composers, we talk about the music, like a lot has changed. And that's because we both, like we went to conservatory. We like, we are not immune from any of the conditioning that comes from, comes from that. But still what I found is that a lot of, um, a lot of that learning curve is removed in our own spaces because we have, um, overlapping, I will say, experiences, because they may not always be a collective experience, but they do overlap. And we have just a little bit more control about um, how effectively we can target those issues. And you said people, I just feel like this is one thing I, I firmly believe, especially like, I think I always thought this, but certainly like after 2020 and the racial reckoning, it's like there is a certain stuff that no PD is going to fix. Like I don't, I do not care. Like certain stuff PD can't fix. So like when you have your own organization, you can hire who you want to hire. You can hire out whoever you want to hire and you don't have to deal with stuff like that. Like, why am I teaching you this? You know, like all this information uh, is easily accessible. Plus your moral compass. Like why are you, why are you taking PD for like anti-racism? You know, like that's weird. That's not weird to you. I think that's weird. I feel like the nuances of anti-racism, like sure, like why you know, like y'all should stop playing Wagner, for example. But like the like the nuance of that, like fine. But it's like, Miss Mayo, why are you a whole three days? Come on. The easily accessible thing be kicking people's behinds. You, you have the entire world, like right here. It's right. You know what I'm saying? I don't like it. Because I mean, we've got that, we've gotten that before for sure. Like, you know, we post a little funny things on Classically Black's uh, Instagram and stuff. And like, we've definitely had people be like, oh, well, how you expect us to play Black composers? They're so hard to find. And I'm like, and why do you think Ask that is? yourself <laughs> You gotta, you gotta, you gotta buy a drill and drill to the, to the mantle of the <laughs> earth to find a piece by Adolphus Hale story. But you could you could find a facsimile of handles anything. His last <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwich on IMSOP. Ask yourself that. Come on, like use your noggin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like use your, use your noodle. It's like you see two plus two is four, and you're like, well, if one plus point five plus point five, like you making it way more. Like it's very. It's like very much ask yourself, yeah. <laughs> but. That kind of leads into, I mean, what a, an, apart, an important part for us as artists is having creative agency. And I feel like creativity is not necessarily always, you know, um, some of the some of the ways that we that we think about creativity and like, you know, is this is how we're gonna phrase this, and this is how we're gonna jazz this up. Like, I feel like it also comes from the vision that we that we see. And I feel like um when you bring your own like your own culture and your own background into classical music, like we've seen, we've seen an explosion of creativity in new music, and um, and just like the types of events and uh, stories that we've uh, seen be told in classical music thus far. I mean, classically black is an example of that because that creative agency with Katie's intermissions, like. What? I'll be watching the dishes. I'll be like, this we start in 10 minutes, Katie. When we finish up, like But what well, where are we gonna do that if classical black didn't exist? Exactly. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. But we don't take the best part. Katie, the ex the explosion of creativity in her brain, like I just personally you just what? I'm just I'm in awe. You're in awe? Mm-hmm. You're in awe. Yep. 
men have walked on the moon and you're in awe yep. of that? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. I want to move on. I <laughs> move on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, one, one of the hugest ones, and I would say this is probably... It's probably the most important because it speaks to the longevity of um, just being able to work in like any field um, is the control of the workspace that you um, that you inhabit. And that encompasses the culture, the people you work with and the environment that you're in, because I feel like we'll get to this a little bit in the intermission, but I feel like in a lot of um, a lot of spaces in classical music, it's like you hear about people who actually you don't hear about this as much. I didn't even realize this until maybe a couple years ago. But you hear about people who get to where they're going, meaning they get that orchestra job, they get you know where whatever their goal was, but the space that they're in has been so unwelcoming um, or whatever it, it may be that they don't last there because they like it's not worth it listen the amount of times the amount of bow bow mapping amount of hours i spent bow mapping for down one just for me to get to where i'm going i'm no nah. <laughs> like I, I like it here none of y'all gonna like it <laughs> okay i'm kidding i'm kidding, I'm kidding. Katie said she's taking she's taking everybody down with her <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding okay. but i think that's i mean i think that's something that people like Especially, I feel like since the road can be so long to get to where you're going in classical music, and I mean, like that that translates to other industries, sure. But um, the actual, I think we we focus a lot on that. You see a lot of initiatives that are focused um, on, I won't say the entire team of the way, because there are a lot of things that are very concentrated at the beginning of the pipeline, and then a lot of things that are concentrated at the end of it, like the very, very end. Um, but I feel like there is a, a huge blind spot in that conversation around um, around what sort of workspace we're sending people into. And I will say that that has been a huge benefit in terms of um, creating your own stuff. I think you have um, much more control in terms of how you sort of build that out for yourself and also going forward. Um, I feel like we have this whole movement in terms of like self-care and like mental health and stuff like that. And we've been able to have more flexibility when we're creating environments for ourselves when it comes to that. I feel like this generation is lit because it's like you ain't gonna stay too long regardless. So I think that plays into it. But I feel like having your uh, having your own things gives a little bit more security um, in that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, if you listen to classically black or you know me in person, like I'm really not shy about saying like I want to like I want to be orchestral musician. Like that's kind of like the main thing that I'm working towards right now. I'm a, currently a fellow with MSO. And I got lucky because I, I have a good time. Like, Kalina down here, Adam down here. Like, I, I'm having a good time. The music I play, I actually play the music um, in this fellowship. So um, I want to talk about the benefits of, of staying um, in classical music. It's, and if you um, are on your way out, I, this this list this hear me out okay the first thing for me um as especially as a black musician is honoring the ones that came before me um i think what is incredible 
things I think about a lot, one of the things I think about a lot rather, um, as a black person is how much we will never know the extent to which our ancestors have suffered. And like, it's not like I wanna know that, but it just makes me sad that like, it's just, it's so much worse than we could ever imagine. So I think about like musicians that came before me and I think about George Taylor a lot. George Taylor was my teacher um, at Eastman. And he's told me stories, some in confidence, but one that um, is public um, is like, he had just got to Eastman and um, he was uh, hanging out in, okay, so if you've ever been to Eastman, it's like the, the big old building, right? And then there's like a little alley and then there's a coffee shop. And so he was just like hanging out in the in the alley because like he's grown, he's minding his business, he's been teaching all day, he just might like, and, um, a security guard came up to him and was like, oh, hey, George. And he was like, hey. And he was like, oh, someone said that there was a strange man in the in the, in the the alley. So I just came to see who it was. And it's just like microaggressions like that. And like I have other stuff that I wouldn't say because he, like I said, he told me in confidence. But it's just like there's just been a lot of things that black musicians have had to endure that, I mean, I think it just depends on, on what you think and like if that matters to you. Because you could be like, okay, um, my people went through that, so I don't have to go through that. But I think um, people who have come and cleared away, like, you know, like I I'm, I want to be in that space. And also um, because I think that, you know, that's what I want to do. So that's what I'm going to do. You, you don't want to do it. You don't have to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, feel, I feel like it comes down to, like, everybody has their role, you know, yeah. like in, the, in what's going on. Because I feel like although – some people may feel like if they're 10 toes down, like make your own stuff, go your own way. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't, that you don't honor or value the work of the people that came before sure. you. But like some people just, everybody has their own role. Some people are simply not built for that. Um, and I think I'm, I'm a bit in the middle. I feel like I was, I have shifted more towards, I'm gonna just do me. Um, but I definitely was not always that way. Um, I feel like I was definitely more um, on the other side, maybe like a couple years ago, but we can't ignore the fact, you know, that that stuff wears you down. But I feel like, you know, ele not elephant in the room, but I feel like it's a lot of people need to be careful not to slip into that. I know that's, I know he y'all fave, but that slavery was a choice uh, territory because I feel like a lot of people look at that and they don't think it's honorable, but at the same time, it's like black people, black people should be able to be in any kind of space that they, that they want to be in. Um, and then, and if there are people who feel like it is their calling or their, um, it is within their abilities to be in those spaces and be the ones changing from the inside, then I can respect that. Mm -hmm. And I also think like, I think classical music is a little bit more nuanced when it comes to creating your own stuff, because it's like, just the pipeline of even going to music school or going to a conservatory, it's like, you're kind of going in being fed the same things. Like, you're going to teach public school, you're going to open a private studio, you're going to be an orchestra, you're going to audition slash star your own quartet, and that's it. And I feel like more and more that might be opening up, but I'm actually not, not really sure because um, I only have like two college bound kids and I'm just like, um, just keep your options open by going in for public students, school. But like, you said what? No, I said students, y'all. They over here thinking, can't oh, kids? 
Yep, she do. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> if I had kids, that would be hilarious. You know why? Because I don't eat myself some days. So why are you gonna be looking at me? Um. Um. Yes. Sorry, my students, my Viola students. I was clear. Um. So I tell them to keep their options open, but I feel like it's uh the like music education has a way of pigeonholing students. So there's not really a lot of, and I feel like there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's a lot. One of the biggest reasons is the people who are teaching, like that's what they were told. And the industry like, continues to change. Like who was doing podcasts? Uh, like my VO teacher in high school was not doing a podcast. Mr. Taylor don't got no podcast. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like these, <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be tea. I should tell them to do that. Um, wait. But anyway, the I'm just saying that like the industry keeps changing, so it keeps pigeonholing students. But I think more and more you're encouraged to explore. So uh, maybe we'll see a shift in that. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see a shift in kids going to college and being like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn my love uh, Kaiser A2, but like what I'm really gonna do is this when I leave here, or I'm not gonna go because what I really want to do is this. Um, but yeah. yeah, I feel like that's a that's a whole other conversation in, in like a side sort of a spinoff of this in music because um, not only I feel like the average like music student that's like pursuing a performer's career is not necessarily encouraged um, to do things outside of it. Um, that and like you said, that might be changing a little bit with like how the, the industry is changing. Like a lot of music schools have added like a music leadership or entrepreneurship, you know, department or classes or even major. But um, especially when we're talking about, when we talk about us, like you got black, black musicians being discouraged from even pursuing the music path in general. And then on top of that, you know, not being really encouraged to, to go outside of it. Um, and that doesn't even necessarily have to be outside of it creating your own stuff. That could be outside of it doing anything. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think it depends. I feel like I see both sides because since music is so, like, technical, like, you have to learn this thing to do if you want to do this thing. I see the nuance in that where it's, like, I don't forget when I was, um, when I was uh, pledging my sorority. Obviously, well, not obviously. Discretion's a huge thing, so... No one knew that I was doing it, but um, during that time, I also had like music festivals and stuff like that. So I would, or and I started the podcast around that time, I think, or maybe some, something happened. And I missed a shift, and Mr. Taylor was like, "So how how much time you do that podcast? Like, what what's the <laughs> like? You know?" And it's just like, rightfully so, right? Because anytime you're doing other things, you're out of the practice room. So um, there is there is that, but also I think. It, it can be really limiting and also like this class can do stuff really the same for the fan of heart and one day I want to talk more about that um you gotta yeah it's a lot and ain't I nothing I don't care it ain't nothing about no enjoying no journey do not tell me to enjoy the journey do not tell me that because the journey is the trenches let's just <laughs> like I think that is the most toxic callous advice oh just enjoy the journey oh girl you spent four hundred dollars on an audition enjoy it Girl. <laughs> like oh, girl. simply are not enjoyable. You got and that's the really... 70th no girl, enjoy it. Like not stop right. saying that to people. Are you sad? You depressed from this? Girl, you gotta enjoy the depression. That's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Stop yeah. telling people that. It's like, yeah, stop and smell the flowers, but sometimes the flowers be smelling like boo-boo. Like we Yeah, I feel like stop and smell the flowers. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I feel like that's better advice, actually. Like, like enjoy aspects or, like, stop and be like, you get to do this thing. But don't be like, girl, every part of this is going to be amazing. Eviction notice? Girl, that's... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get to rearrange your stuff? Like, you know. <laughs> um, another, another benefit... Uh, that I that I thought of is that the fact that black people deserve to be here. That's something that I will always say. I will, I always believe that. Um, I don't think no type of way. I don't feel no type of way, and I don't think no type of way when I walk into an MSO rehearsal. I'm like, hey y'all, like I auditioned. I'm here. Like I deserve to be here. My people built this concert hall, did, built it, and we we our music is in the canon. I know the masterworks don't reflect that, but we have mm -hmm. operas. We have senior openers, we have symphonies, we have art songs, trios, string quartets, quintets. It's all in the canon. It's in the canon. So it's like, how you gonna tell me? How you gonna tell me that I was, I'm I shouldn't be here? Like I deserve to be here. You're not gonna really make me feel no type of way about that. You're gonna be mad. There's a board. There's an orchestra board. Go take it up with them. It looks silly. Yeah, and I feel like that's. I feel like. That is a precisely a reason. Did we do this episode? No, probably. I think that's uh, a episode. We got so many episodes, y'all. Yeah, like, probably. Like, <laughs> I always be like, did we talk about this on the show? Um, about like, the big ones, like the Cardi B episode. I'm not gonna forget this. <laughs> right. Um, we always practicing. Period. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that actually this might be an upcoming episode. Sorry, spoiler alert. But um. <laughs> know about why I feel like there's been so much effort to erase us from the history of classical music is because people will um, not really make that connection to like, we've been here, we've been yeah. building, built the concert hall, um, been putting out work, people coming to see us, getting inspired, and now all of a sudden we got Porky and Bass, all of a sudden, we, you know, all mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Like, I feel like we've been... Um, sort of erased from the history of classical music and and th that's something that is in just like general history as well like people you, you, I feel like every day we see oh I had no idea that that there was a black person that did this or I had no idea that it was a black person that did scuba diving or like whatever you know like whatever amazing incredible thing that there was a black person doing in 1902 that we never knew about because they were like that's one more thing we're gonna keep y'all out of mm -hmm. sorry classical music like black people really do everything like there's really nothing it's a shameful that we always hear about it like when it's once like wasn't some lady in the in the NBA yeah that for the first a woman to be drafted by the NBA and somebody was like, how come I only found out about her on her death day? Yeah. All right, yeah, we're gonna take a little break to the intermission. Um, okay, so this intermission, if you listen to Classical Black, you might've heard this before, but after we recorded the episode, I'm like, I want, I would love to have this in front of like a different, larger audience because like, I feel like we've seen, we've seen, Okay, I don't want to use this word incorrectly. We've seen changes that were bigger. Like, we've seen fellowships installed. We've seen Black composers programs. We've seen stuff like that. But one thing I realized where a lot of the change really needs to happen is, like, in the little details. Like, there are so many little things that you can really look at an organization and be like, oh, y'all don't get it. Or, like, you could look at something and be like, oh, like, 
that went over your head. Um, so I'm gonna talk about that. So I asked Delaney this question: What is a little thing that organizations or institutions do to show you that they're not truly ready for DEI work? I'm sorry. So you, you want, want me to go first? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Because you say you want me to go. Okay, so what really sparked this, I'm not gonna get into too much detail because I can't even see y'all. I can't even, like, we're not in Detroit. I need to be able to see who's in the room because I'm not gonna go into too much detail. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I will say is that um, application fees, there should not be an application fee to a fellowship for black and brown people. Why? Like, uh, what was I about to say? I don't care how much a little get accepted it costs. I don't care if you can't afford get accepted. They are accepted. I keep the website get accepted. If you can't afford accepted, like girl, use a Google Doc. I don't, like. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how much it costs to pay. Like you should not be charging. And you're like, oh, it's only thirty dollars. Oh, boo, 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 it's only fifty dollars. Like oh, that only word, besides the application fee, is one of like that's a trigger for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is a trigger for me because you don't you don't know an only. And it's just mm-hmm. like if you're in education. Like maybe because I'm sensitive to it, because like you know I had to learn about this stuff when I was in school, but like obviously not because Delaney did not study education. It's just like that only word. It's like you don't know what kids people are going through. Thirty dollars can be a week worth of groceries. Someone's trying to stretch it. Thirty dollars can be the last amount of money in a bank account. And I think like an archaic idea is that like oh, okay, well if you don't have thirty dollars and like maybe you should stick this one out. But it's like but you're trying to reach people. Like you're trying to reach people that. They want to be in your fellowship. Like, why are you charging for a fellowship application? Especially when it's targeted to, like, there are, you know, there are a couple fellowships that do, and they're hefty, too. Uh, but I'm not going to, if you know, you know. There are fellowships. There is one, let me not say that. But they are expensive. Huh? What are you going to say? I'm not going to say that because I'm not going to say that. Um, but... I, but <laughs> I just feel like if you have a diversity fellowship, you should not be charging application fees. I feel like that that is just like obvious. Like I don't that's obvious to me. Just because what because you've grown, like your your twenties are difficult. You just graduated from school, you got student loan payments, you you probably like teaching around just trying to make it and now I gotta pay a thirty dollar application fee for what? A fifty dollar application fee for what? Sixty five dollar application fee for a diversity fellowship. This is like targeted for me. That mm-hmm. needs to be if you can't afford it, use a Google Doc. Girl, make me go back to the old day. I can tell you a CD. Like, <laughs> did you want a, you want a cassette? I will send you a cassette of my plane. Like, I don't understand. That's just really dense to me. That's mm. yeah. Because I feel like you don't know what. <laughs> yeah, only is definitely definitely a trigger. I feel like it really it's it exposes what people take for granted because it's yeah. like you don't know what thirty dollars is to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> at all. Um, and I also think that, like, to your point, that sort of overlooks um, basically the issues that they claim to be trying to to mitigate. Like, you're like, oh, well, it, it shows the very limited definition that people have when it comes to diversity, because it's like, y'all think the only thing that's keeping people out of classical music is, oh, they did a... a an audition and there was no screen and so they told them they black so you can't be here it's like no there are like levels to this like mm-hmm. <laughs> there are levels um to the experience of trying to get to where you're going in classical music and so for you to be like hey we're gonna open this barrier but 
we're also going to put the once we open the door there's going to be a hurdle behind it it's like mm-hmm. yeah you know <laughs> like uh it's like letting you into the train station but it's the turnstile no money like yeah. it, it doesn't make it doesn't really make any sense they try to argue down about that but like, they really try to argue down about it I don't even be listening. I'll be like, boo, boo, tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. Like, <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, when people say, like, there has to be, tr- classical music has to be transformed. It's not like a bibbidi-bobbidi-boo thing. It's like every single facet of classical music needs to be reformed. And, like, don't be don't be caught out. Don't feel bad, girl. I'm sure ballet could say the same thing. I'm sure black girls in tech could say the same thing. Engineers, engineers could say the same thing the dental industry i'm sure like everybody but we talk about like so don't feel like you're not alone but it's like every single facet because like you you built it on a wobbly foundation so it's just like you have to redo it you can't just peep while you know yo you trying to remodel a house and you put in granite countertops but your basement leaking it doesn't give it doesn't give um i feel like this because because mine is also about money and so i feel like well one i just want to be i just want to go back to i feel like i remember you saying that you you be asking for your application fees back or you have before and (laughs) i can't remember when i can't remember what but i have there was a circumstance for it there was a circumstance for it but i have asked for it back i thought my tape wasn't hurt it was something I, had, I'm trying to remember now because I could be a little trifling. Let me try to remember. It was like I don't know. Oh, I applied for this thing, and my YouTube video has zero views. Oh, so when, yeah. I was like, "So who make a say? Like, you run me my feet? I'm like, or oh, I call Chase and dispute the charge. Like, it was something like that. Because I could be. I'm not this trifling for no reason. Especially it because like there's no way you ain't make it past no resume round. Y'all seen Katie yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait. No. They haven't. But you, what, what was yours? You want to say something? Yeah, oh, I was waiting for you. I was waiting. But um, no, mine, um, mine is also about money. And I feel like this is something that we, this is a multi level problem. Mine is basically feeling as though you don't need to pay people for their time and for their expertise. Um, And I feel like this is something that we see, I've only worked in in terms of nonprofit, only worked with music organizations, but it's something that, it does happen across the board in that I feel like um, a lot of nonprofit um, structures are, they like basically exploit people because a lot of times if you're working with a nonprofit, you care about the cause, you know? And I feel like it's not always, um, it's not always fair the way that, um, the way that people are compensated, either undercompensated or not compensated at all um, for the time and the work that they, that they put in to get to, to where they are. And obviously there are different circumstances under which like you work with people like obviously, you know, there are there are circumstances under which someone may not be a may not genuinely may not be able to afford to pay you. Like I'm not about to go kick down a door of all so and so organization with three employees. And ex, you know, like 
<laughs> it's not, but like, let's not act like places don't spend the gamut, like, of, of capabilities when it comes to this. And um, I just feel like, especially when it comes to, especially when it comes to like black people that they're bringing in, and this is a whole other issue um, with the fact that a lot of black people are treated as sort of like an auxiliary or supplementary resource rather than actually being built into the structure, into um, into like the meat and potatoes of your organization. You got a whole roster of white people working here, salary benefits up the wazoo, which is fine. They should be compensated for the fact that they working 40 hours a week for you. But when it comes to the black people that you're bringing in to to supplement the the output of your organization, now all of a sudden y'all don't got no budget all of a sudden the budget's gone. It's not, it's not adding up, literally. Zero plus zero equals zero. Nothing on that. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I agree, obviously. Oh, um, I have one more that I really want to say. Um, and that's like this idea of like the little details that I was talking about earlier. It's like there are certain things that are just going to require more nuance. And how will you go about doing that? I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not your organization. But, for example, right, like, so you put your Black composers on a program, right? You Like, one concert a month has a Black composer on it. And mm -hmm. that one concert or that one weekend of concerts, that's the music director is not conducting on that weekend. That's not tacky to you? at all that's not tacky at all like that wasn't you in a room you typing it up like yeah it's about to eat and you didn't you saw that and you weren't like that's not bizarre to you it's like little details like that it's like the soloist is black where's the music director it's like little little <laughs> tiny things like that that's kind of like here for this you said like what? that's what it is. so you don't need to come in for this that's what it gives yeah and it it, it gives like almost the same tinge is like how like you don't see like sending your fellows out to do um all of the community outreach and one thing i like about mso is that everybody's doing it you know what i'm saying and because like, i don't because of the nature of my fellowship we only have one violin so the assistant concert master be at the little, the little spots with us you know what i'm saying so um and then the concert master her group is out doing stuff too but like i know that's rare because you see the pictures. It's like the fellows going to do that stuff. Like it's like the little, little stuff. It's like, oh, they got the fellowship. But it's like part of the reason for the fellowship is to be able to play a lot of orchestral reps. So you can when you get to orchestra, you just have an easier time. If they're not doing that, what's the point of having it? It's like y'all just have stuff and then it's like for what? I feel like that goes into I feel like you don't want to tell me this, like the the smoke and mirrors. Yeah, if this sort of like work. Um, a lot of people can't see can't see past that. Um, because I felt like it was you that told me about a certain situation where it was a um a, a, a fellowship or something of the sort where they were like, Oh, what are you gonna do for community engagement for this organization? It's like, no, what are you gonna do? For <laughs> like, I talk about these. I've read a lot of interesting um fellowship applications because it's, it's smoking like, mirrors because it's like oh we're gonna do we're gonna get some fellows to come in here and then they'll do the community engagement so then now we got the diversity fellowship and the community engagement all into one and we're gonna have a coupon 
Like, <laughs> and you don't got to ask your musicians to do it. Like, I feel like that's what it gets. It's smoke and mirrors. It's like, yeah, we got all of this stuff on paper, but what's actually going on? Your fellows, like, what concerts are they playing? What are they, you know, being offered? Are they being paid a living wage? Are they fellowshipping? And then whatever the heck at night and on the weekends, you know? Mm-hmm. Child, I don't even know. Talking about what am I gonna bring to the fellowship? I'm black. I'm bringing. I'm bringing. What else? What's to bring? I got my viola. The melanin in these notes. I got my right. I got my viola, and I'm here. Like, what's up? It's a fellowship. <laughs> if it was a job, I'll be like, okay, I could, I could do this and this. But like, the whole point. I thought the point. It even says. It even says in the description. It's like y'all want black people. That's what it's saying. It's saying right here. So it's just like, what do you mean what I got to bring? I'm bringing myself and my instrument. And my willingness to learn. So. (laughs) I don't know. I think, and obviously, like, no fellowship is is the same. You know, like I said, I've had a a great um, time here. And also, I have fellows, fellow, fellow, fellow friends. I have friends in other fellowships. There we go. That are also having a great time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had a friend that just did the LA Phil Fellowship. Um, the same friend did New World. That was a great time. It's like, you know, it just depends. And I just feel like, you know, hit dog on holler. If you feel tough way, fix it. That's another thing. Like, y'all can fix this stuff. Y'all be like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it would be crazy. You know, it would be, like, so crazy. I don't know how we're going to do it. But, like, we need more women composers. How are we going to do that? Like, how are we? Do you not, like, girl, you programmed it. Like, I don't. I'm sorry. You cannot tell me. Like, explain to me like I'm five. Tell me how it's hard. And I'll be like, okay, boo, 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 it's, it's hard. But like, nah, nah. Like, there's no way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I mean, coming out, coming out of the intermission, I feel like this goes into sort of the flip side of this coin. You know, we're going to wrap this up in a nice little bone and take some questions because, uh, you know, we don't want to be like, all right, so here's all the bad things about bye. it. Bye. Bye. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Clocking in. Like, <laughs> um, but we do feel, you know, the need to talk about it. So um, kind of looking at at the experience of staying in these organizations, some of the things that have literally brought us to this conversation um, of talking about, you know, should we go, should we, should we stay? Um, is that a drawback of staying is that you could very well end up in a situation where there's no urgency for change. Um, And a big part of that is talking in circles, having the same conversation over and over and over again. Oh, let's table this for our bi-weekly meeting. (laughs) And it's like, we've been bi-weekly meeting for for like six years. (laughs) So that we could plan the Black History uh, Month concert in 2028. Like... That's what that's what a lot of a lot of it is giving like this um, this culture of of having no urgency behind change because it's not necessarily affecting all the folks that you got on your payroll. It's like we got y'all. If you say insecure, <laughs> it's just like that. A lot actually splitting image. A lot, a lot of y'all should. Um... Should like CEO should watch Insecure and let's see if you notice anything. Anything that that's true. Jump out to you because if it does, I feel like you should go back to the. You should you need to call a meeting stat. 
that's low key. That honestly, we got y'all from Insecure, which is like it's basically it's a nonprofit, and they're going to like it's an after school program for inner city schools. Oh, we got y'all, ran by a white lady. And, <laughs> and the logo is a white hand holding some some little black kids. It's a lot, you know. It's supposed to be a joke, but I feel like that's that's low key a show in and of itself. It's a add me to the payroll, like that's low key a show. Um, but yeah, I feel like when you have organizations that they're their the makeup of like their employees and everything doesn't necessarily reflect their constituencies like i feel like it that urgency is, is simply not there because they're like oh yeah, yeah yeah this could wait and it's just yeah. like it literally cannot mm-hmm. um and that goes into you know a lot of a lot of folks that have decided to stick it out have been boxed out of opportunities to enact change i think there was a graphic going around a couple years ago about like um like the makeup of a of like a company and it had like a pyramid of people and it was like everybody at the bottom was was black or brown and then it was like two in the middle three rows and then like everybody at the top was white and um I feel like people always will, oh, what about the quality? What about this? And what about that? There are qualified Black people everywhere, period. Like, y'all really, like, you cannot fool us with that anymore. Black women, most educated group in in this country. Like, we are literally uh, here. And and that's just formal education, not to mention um, all the other things that you can bring to a job or a position that that would help you do it well. Um, and I feel like that's sort of a myth that a lot of people are told um, in an effort to box them out of opportunities that actually would allow them to make decisions. Yeah, because if you're making copies, you can't make change. And I feel like um, one thing that's really frustrating about this is the fact that, go- going back to your last point, is that I feel like I've been saying that phrase for literally since we turned the mics on for the first time. So it's like, when are y'all going? And I feel like we've seen we've seen that a little bit, but also it's just also like which organization you at and are you in a, are you, are you in a position of power, but also are you being heard? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to what extent do you have power? Is someone above you um, and the board is above everybody. So it's like, oh, it was a lot. Right. Um, and then um, this is a huge one a huge one because this really dog walked me in college, to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) is that when we are, as Black people, when we are in these positions, um, you simply have two jobs, minimum. You know, like, I feel like you carry the burden of doing everything that you, everything that all your white colleagues are supposed to do. And also, everything that comes along with being a black person in a predominantly um, white institution and space. Um, I mean, like the reason why I said, why I referenced college is because I was up at the Black Students Union, sorry, made the Black Students Union because it was not there before, <laughs> before Katie like, and I arrived. Before, like, the last one was like, what, like 1971 or yeah. something like that? Yeah. Um, that was and so now they, Everybody else got their red solo cups on the weekend, toasting up, then hungover. Now they practicing all day with, oh, okay, well, let me file this and let's do the BSU budget and let's da 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 because there's no, uh, no support system for Black students 
at an institution. And I'm thinking, well, in order for me to do my four years here, I'm going to need to set something up because this is not working. And I feel like a lot of um, even even if it's not that straightforward as, oh, you created a structure for yourself and for black people that came behind you. Because, you know, I stay in, I stay, you know, I stay in touch and plugged in with the BSU was doing because it's like. That's amazing that y'all like y'all have a you, you can come into college and have a BSU now because, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, that's that's great for, for me to see. But at the same time, it's not fair. You know, it's not fair that y'all are hitting up black students to, oh, can you be on this diversity committee for free? Could you do this for free? Like all of this stuff when it's like, okay, are are white students taking time out of their uh out of their uh day and out of their weekend and their practice time uh to fix all the schools diversity problems for free? Are they being asked to do that? So there was, I feel like there really isn't an answer here. I really just think it depends on like what trajectory you see for yourself, like what, how you see your story arc playing out um, and whether you want to stay or pivot. Oh, I told the lady like, listen, I'm 10 toes. I'm not 10 toes. Now, I'm like five toes now because you know me in real life. I'd be doing a whole bunch of different stuff, but like, I, I like orchestra. I want to play in the orchestra, um, but people want to pivot, and I feel like it's just up to you to to decide um, what you want to do. But you can't cannot deny that um, there's a lot of stuff um, to be considered. Uh, so we hope you find this conversation insightful. And if you want to hear more talks like this, but also like shenanigans, because like we're having a good time. I'm freaking the mics are on most weeks, which is why you get a 30 minute. Um, insecure wrap up uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, because what was even that? Um, but it's mostly about classical music. I say it's about eighty percent about classical, depending on the week. Depending on the week, I was about to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I thought like we were really classical last week. Was that last week? We were real classical. Oh, last the, week. After the mics go off, the episode has left my brain. Um, this time episode, this is from start to finish, classical. So look at us. Look at us. Staying on topic. Uh, Right. <laughs> um, but you can follow us on social media at Classically Black Podcast. Three years, can't say. Um, and you, you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, I think we saw, I saw a couple questions. Yeah, um, one of them I saw that made me kind of smart um, was, have y'all ever been pressed by institution by the institutions you work for um in response to something you said on your podcast no i don't talk about classical like do not mention it <laughs> i'm here to play i'm here to teach i don't think i've ever and I don't, we, don't be, we don't be wild we don't be it'd be wild yeah, kind of wild. but, but the thing wild. is the thing is, our, our 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 episodes are long, so it's like it, it be in there, you know. You gotta be yeah, in the trenches. Yeah. <laughs> um, they ain't gonna open up on this. I too have never been pressed. I don't know but if I that's a problem. This is my free time. Yeah, and also like, I stand behind everything I put. I wouldn't put it on the internet if I if I couldn't defend it, you know. Um, yeah. And but I also think I've definitely been forewarned about stuff like that. You know, but I think people know who they can try. So, 
And I feel like the longer we've been doing this, I think that was a concern of mine at the beginning, especially when we're talking about like Schubert eating hot wings and stuff like that. But I feel like now, like, nobody really, like, what's the thing said? Like, I will, you could ask me about anything I said, I will tell you about it. Like, it's not really even that thing. And also, I don't want to work at an organization where you find problems with what I said because everything we talk about is like the real issues. We don't, we're not making stuff up, you know, like, if we're trying, we're just, we, yes, we like shoot the breeze or whatever, but like, we're talking about real issues. So if you have a problem with that and you, and you're contrarian to that, then I feel like I don't really need to be in your space anyway. Um, once it's speaking of creating your own stuff, have you ever considered designing and hosting a young people's concert? That's cap. That's a proper noun. It's capitalized as a proper noun. So I don't know if that's like an actual like thing or just a general young people's concert. I don't know. I didn't know about that. That'd be cute though. Yeah, we were. Katie is an idea factory, and you know I exactly. contribute ever ever so often. And so I feel like we just got a lot of stuff. So it's like, yeah, Cosby about gonna do this, 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 and that. Well, we gotta scrape some of those off the ground. <laughs> I feel like we've done like little there's an episode we did like last Christmas where it was like oh that was cute black music. It was cute. So I would do something like that, but I um I think oh, it was cute to consider. Music, like us like Christmas stories and stuff when we did it, like set to music. That was cute. So, I like yeah. that. Um, I I was wondering what advice y'all have for someone trying to balance their day job with artistic projects or even just practicing. Um, I got too much stuff going on. I feel like I'm (laughs) at that point right now where I realize, okay, this is once all this stuff like reaches full capacity, it's going to be a problem. But you know, like I keep adding stuff anyway. But I think like my biggest project right now. Um, besides Viola, like I have a YouTube channel, like a vegan YouTube channel, and like I help direct ISBM. Um, I think that's like the biggest thing. I mean, like I do a lot. I, I've been pulled in a lot of different directions, but one thing that works for me, I always put Viola first. That that's that's what's been sustaining me. Like I have I have different days. I have like one six hour practice day, two five hours, one four, and then two two maybe more if I can do more so I kind of and I, I just stick to that like I'm like I want to be in orchestra this is what I have to do so um, once I put Viola first I just fit everything around it like if I have to film a video if I have to hop on a meeting for ISBM if I have to um my sorority in Jamaica sorry my sorority sister in Jamaica wants me to start like some string thing and I was on a meeting for that like just being pulled in like a, a lot of different directions but Viola keeps me centered. And uh, classically black, I don't really count because like classically black is like, in my schedule. Like we meet every week at this time. It's like a thing. Uh, but I always keep Viola first. And that's I think that's what I've been able to sustain me this this long. Um, by I, I know I have to practice. Um, and that's what I would really recommend to to anyone. Even if you had like a nine to five, like scheduling out your practicing so that if you wanted to, to do other things, like you don't feel the guilt. Practice guilt is the worst type of guilt. I mean, I'm still gonna lay in a bit, but like it, it don't feel great. Um, yes. so I, I found that doing that, um, helps a lot. Yeah, and I feel like one thing I've given into the fact of like, um, it is definitely hard when you have a, um, 
a day job too. I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't address as you, you know, get further in classical music. As you get older, you simply have bills to pay. Yeah. Um, and and but I have heard about that sort of working style of putting the things, putting the things that serve you and your dreams first. And first could mean first in the day or whenever you have the most energy. Like for example, me, my brain comes on at 5 30 p.m. And my ideal workday is 5 30 to 1 a.m. <laughs> It's terrible, like for for regular people life, um, but I'll be up at one o'clock in the morning. And I schedule all my emails to go back to go out at nine a.m. and it's wonderful because um, that's what works for me. And I feel like if that is possible, um, I know a lot of people have a little bit more flexibility these days from because of work from home. Um, but yeah, it's hard out here. I'm sorry. Um, this might be our last question. Is this still our, our second to last? Is this still classical music? Or are we moving towards a new era? What would you call it? Um, I think we are moving towards a new era, but I feel like it's hard to tell because classical music moves so slow. It's like, I still call it classical music because like, you know, I played Jupiter last weekend. Like, come on. Like this is still, I'm still very much in in classical music, and I feel like my world is just classical music, you know, excerpts, Bartok. Um, so I still call it that. I don't know. I feel like if you talk to someone else, like our friend Joy, they might say something different, but I think it's still called classical music. If I'm understanding the question correctly, I don't know. I would say. Um, I definitely think we're moving towards a new era. I think it was Baba Tunde um, who said after the plague comes a renaissance. We're not necessarily after the plague right now, but, um, or he's the one that said that to me. I don't know if that's like a saying, but um, I think that we're definitely in that renaissance era or entering it um, in classical music because you've seen so, like we said, so many people cropping up with their own things. Um, I don't really know that, I feel like, a lot of times language has to be very specific to, you know, accurately describe something. But I feel like in this case, since we're so, since we're changing so much, I don't know that if coming up with a term is the best use of our time, to be honest, mm -hmm. you know, like, I feel like we're, we're kind of in an explosion of, of creativity right now that is um, um, beneficial to the, to the work that we're doing. And I would rather just do that right now. But yeah. Um, I think there's one more. Do we have time to answer? You got a minute, under a minute, so. Okay, let's go for it. How do you believe class music can expand more on pieces that can shed light onto systemic racism? You gonna answer that in 30 seconds, Katie? Oh, I just said, let's go. No. It's funny to be playing around today, and I think it's real funny because that, um, that direct, uh, direct, what's it called? They took that money yeah. in my accounts. I think that's very funny. That's very interesting to me. Um, <laughs> that my Wi-Fi been acting funny, but uh, y'all took my money. So uh, we could answer that on the podcast. Period. Listen, class go back on Monday. Next Monday. Right. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much.